Hello everyone and welcome to the Boost and Gains podcast. I'm your host Cedric and in today's episode we get to talk about real estate. Um, I have here with me today Lauren Summers who is a real estate agent. Um, she helped me out with the purchase of my home and she's helped my family as well, helped my dad buy and sell his home, helped my brother with the purchase of his home as well. And Lauren has been in the real estate space for quite some time now, uh, definitely over 10 years and she has a lot of knowledge about how to purchase a home and what you need to be looking out for as well as the current state of the market when it comes to um, real estate. So without further ado, we're gonna dive right into it and enjoy the show. Okay, so Lauren, I just want to say thank you so much for, you know, uh, sitting here with me today. Um, you know, I've known you for a while and I've worked with you in the past. And I just felt like, you know, there are so much things that you got going on, especially in the real estate um, business. And, you know, just to sit down with you, share your experiences, share some knowledge, and uh, I can learn from it or my listeners can learn from it. So once again, I just want to say thank you. Of course. Thank you for having me. It's been quite some time since we've worked together. So always good to connect and talk a little bit more. And I'm happy you, you know, purchased when you did because it's gotten crazy out here. That's right. So, uh, Lauren, I'll just dive right into it. Uh, first of all, uh, asking you the question, who is Lauren Summers? So I am a real estate agent and investor. I've been licensed for a little over three years now, working on getting my broker's license. Um, as an investor, I do have rental properties and I fix and flip. I focus um, primarily around Gwinnett in the greater Atlanta area. I got into this because I wanted to help um, first time home buyers achieve their dreams. I was pretty young when I purchased my property. I was 19. Um, getting ready to have a little baby so I figured that was the best route to go and it was the best decision of my life so now I'm here to help other people do the same okay awesome so um, a little bit we want to get to know you a little bit more so if you don't mind let's talk a little bit about your background are you originally from Georgia um, and when you started out or in real or even before you started out in real estate did you have any vision or any interest in in, in the real estate um, uh, market. So I'm from Georgia, born at Northside Hospital. I grew up in Norcross, um, spent a couple years in New Jersey, but I graduated from Norcross High School. And in college, I did start my own business. We It was 2011. Um, there's a lot of foreclosures on the market. So I started a business clearing out foreclosed homes and getting them ready to be put on the market. And Ever since then, I've always been interested. I went on, did other things, um, did the corporate route for a while after college, but I've always been interested in getting back to real estate and learning that industry better. So that's what brought me back. Um, and then 2018, I decided to go ahead and get my license so I can start selling um, and making the money myself rather than helping others get ready to sell. Okay. And you did mention that you had a business in cleaning out foreclosed homes. Now, when you say that, you mean like literally going in there and cleaning the place out? Yeah. So back then, um, there's, a, like I said, a lot of foreclosures. People were getting pretty upset that the ones that were being foreclosed on. So they might intentionally, you know, put some holes in the walls or maybe they just don't have anywhere to bring their things. So mm -hmm. they might leave all their furniture, you know, those items. So we would come in basically do what's called a trash out, just get everything that was left behind out of the house, do some small repairs, cleaning, and make it look presentable. 
and what happens to the to to these um, things that the, the I don't know call him the homeowner uh, left behind? Does it get stored away where they can come get it later, or is it just gone? It's gone. I mean, at that point, it's you know whatever they didn't want or couldn't use. So they take everything that they need, and they leave a lot of trash behind. A lot of times, refrigerator be full of food, mm. things like that. Um, I've seen a toilet filled with cement, you know, so just to get back at them or whatever. Right. But um, at that point, you know, it's pretty much all trash. Yeah. Okay. So why real estate? I think you probably mentioned that earlier, but why real estate? Why not? You did go to college. Uh, What degree did you get while you were in college? My degree is in marketing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I studied business. I went on, did some customer experience work, experience management, Um, became an analyst, did forecasting, those things. But I decided I want to get back into real estate because I believe if you can understand that industry, Mm -hmm. that's really how you build wealth for your family. So that was an industry that I wanted to understand. Um, I got my license as a real estate agent. Didn't know where it would take me from there, but I figured I would learn the ins and outs Mm -hmm. and then figure out what it is I'm truly passionate about. Okay. So when you started or when you got your license, how was that like? For somebody who's very new in, in, in this industry, uh, what were some of the challenges or like, and, and the reason why I'm asking you this is because I'm going to use myself as, a, as an example. Uh, back when I was in college, I started working for a car dealership as a salesperson, right? And I guess as a new person, it's not, you don't have the, the, the knowledge and the confidence and the skill set to be talking to customers, mm-hmm. um, especially when you look at some of these experienced uh, people like they go in there, they do it real easy, right? Right. And I, I can tell that might also be, a, you know, the same with real estate. Like when you get a client, the way you're comfortable around them and showing them around and things like that. Like for you as a beginner, how was how was that experience? So of course, when I was getting started, there are agents out there that were doing, you know, millions of dollars a year. So it was kind of hard to see, like, how do I get to that point? But you know, I decided just to jump in, you know, the, you have to take a course and you have to get, um, you have to do 75 hours, I think it is. And then you have to pass a, a state exam, kind of like the bar. Okay. Um, so it's a process to get your license, but starting off, I think most, most agents have a hard time really just lighting that fire under them and, you know, going out and doing the things that are uncomfortable, you know, cold calling, knocking on doors, um, a lot of networking, so it's really like getting the ball rolling was the hard part. Mm, okay. So can you walk us through like a day in the life of, of an agent or even in your life? How do you get up and, uh, you know, your schedule? How, what does that consist of? Sure. So I usually start my day. Um, I drop my son off, go to the gym, and then I come to the office. I find that it's a lot easier to be focused when I'm here. You know, as a real estate agent, I can work from anywhere. Some days it's a coffee shop. You know, if I have to be out in Cobb County or somewhere, I want to beat the traffic. I might post up at a coffee shop or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually I start my day off, you know, going through my emails you know, doing any contracts, anything like that. And then I usually have a schedule um, done on Sunday and I'll plan like when I'm going to show houses. And of course, things change and houses hit the market and you got to drop everything you're doing and run. Mm. Um, But I'm usually spend about half of my day doing contracts, you know, putting together marketing. I have a junior agent that works Mm. with me. So 
getting them going so I can leave and go meet with clients and, you know, do what I need to do for the rest of the day, all the running around. Got you. Okay, so you did mention doing contracts. And before I forget this, that's, this is not a point that I listed, but I wanted us to talk about that before I go on to the other points is as a real estate agent, maybe some people might see your job as, oh man, this is so easy. I can do that. I mean, going around showing houses and, you know, once somebody finds a house that they like, we'll just go ahead and make an offer and then, you know, the offer gets accepted, the house gets closed and you get your money. Oh man, that's so easy. <laughs> I don't need an agent, right? What are also some of the behind the scenes things that you do as an agent when you have a client and even like after they, they find a house that they like, uh, some of the things that you have to do um, uh, in order to get the, the house closed and whatnot. So there is a lot behind the scenes, and I'll start by saying as a home buyer, you don't pay for your own agent. So the people that are like, oh, I'm gonna do it myself, I'm gonna look on Google and I'm gonna call the agent, you know, you're not really doing yourself any favors because the listing agent works for the seller, trying to get them the most amount of money. Mm -hmm. So they're gonna be very cut and dry, they're not gonna share more than they need to share. If something's wrong, they're not gonna tell you unless you ask. Mm -hmm. um, but there is a lot that goes into you know, the paperwork, um, you know, somebody can't, unless you're like an investor and you have your own contracts, most people don't have access to the contract. So they need somebody to write it up for them. And then after that comes amendments and, you know, things change. Um, so you really need an agent to help keep you on schedule, meet the deadlines, set up the inspection, you know, work with the appraiser, those things. Mm -hmm. um, but that's usually the biggest um, drawback for a lot of agents is all the documentation because you have to be very organized. Um, you know, these contracts are written by attorneys, so mm -hmm. you need to understand the language that's in them. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really, you know, very similar to the work that an attorney does when it comes to the paperwork and, you know, the contracts might be 20 pages, they might be 80 pages. So you need to know what all it's saying before you put your money up, your earnest money. Okay. So, um, and another question I have for you is, is it possible for someone to purchase a house without an agent? It is possible, but like I said, um, you're not really doing yourself a favor because you don't have anybody negotiating mm -hmm. on your behalf. Mm -hmm. You don't know what questions to ask. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you get your inspection report, mm -hmm. you don't really know what it means, how to ask for it to be fixed. And, you know, there's negotiation not just when you make an offer and it gets accepted, but you know, throughout the process, you're gonna have to negotiate with the seller side. Okay, awesome. Now, um, the next topic that I want us to tackle is, you know, let's go into like the house buying process, right? So if someone comes to you, new person, they've never purchased the house, let's walk through the, the process. What are some of the things that you ask for or tell them to maybe research on your own or or need to bring to the table in order to get a um, you know a good deal when it comes to interest and pretty much what the whole process entails. So I always tell people, you know, when somebody calls me and they say, "Hey, I'm looking to buy a house. I've never bought a house before." I usually will explain the process, you know, from my standpoint and a little bit about the loan, but usually once they hang up with me, I tell them to go call a loan officer. So I have a couple loan officers that I work with mm -hmm. that I trust to work with first time home buyers because I know they're going to be patient. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I tell them just have a conversation before you even do the application. 
talk to them, tell them your situation, tell them, you know, what type of job are you working part-time, full-time, what kind of debt, you know, what are your concerns? Are you concerned with your credit score? Mm-hmm. Are you concerned with student loans? Let them know up front. That way you're not doing that application and you're not going to get approved. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's better to have that conversation. That's usually the first step. And then they can say, yeah, I think you're good. You can go ahead and do the application. Mm-hmm. Applications usually take about 15 minutes mm-hmm. and they're usually online. And then after that, they can kind of tell you what you need to work on. So they're going to need your bank statements. They're going to want, um, they're going to pull your credit score and they're going to see where you stand. I have some really good lenders that can help people if their credit isn't so good. You know, they might be right borderline mm-hmm. of qualifying. They can tell you what you need to do to boost your credit up um, and, you know, really take a look at your overall situation so you can be in a good position when you find a property. Okay, so I mean, would you say that credit is the most important thing when you're purchasing a house? What if somebody's coming with a lot, a lot of money for for a down payment? Does that help if their credit is not uh, an excellent credit? That helps. There are some programs that are not government backed that you be able to qualify for, um, but they do usually come with a higher interest rate. You need more money down. So in that situation, you know, that's not going to stop you if you have money. Mm-hmm. But it's better to have a higher credit score because the higher your score, the better your interest rate is going to be. Okay. Um, another one is the loans, right? Um, I mean, from working with you, you know, or yeah, from working with you, I did learn that there are a few different types of loans, like the conventional and the FHAs. Um, is there any way you can... Uh, explain to us like how is one beneficial from the other or what the differences are sure so the fha a, a lot of first-time home buyer <coughs> excuse me a lot of first-time home buyers will go that route um because it's a lower down payment and awful it's it's for a lot of times people with a lower credit score will go that route because mm. you only need a 580 to get approved mm. where conventional you need a 620 um but in my opinion, the conventional is going to be a better route because you have what's called mortgage insurance um, and you pay that either way. But with a conventional loan, once you have 20% equity in the property, it goes away. Do you have to call them for them to drop it or it automatically goes away? Yes. So you need to call them um, once you have 20% equity. So that means your loan is only 80% of what it the property is actually worth, mm-hmm. you can call them and tell them, you know, to cancel it or it'll automatically cancel when you're down to like 78% mm. of the value. Okay. So, and you mentioned the FHA, you usually recommend it for people with lower credit, um, but it has a higher interest rate. Um, Not necessarily a higher interest rate, but your credit score is going to impact what interest rate you get. Um, so FHA doesn't mean you're going to have a higher interest rate. Mm-hmm. Actually, right now, I think it might be a little lower. But like I said, you always are you're going to have that mortgage insurance for the life of the loan. Okay. And that might be $100. That might be $200. It just depends. So even if you pay more than uh, you said, uh, was it 20%? So for more FHA, equity, if, if you have 20% equity, equity and you still have an FHA loan, mm-hmm. the mortgage insurance still stays. Yes, correct. Okay. Um, but that doesn't mean you have to put 20% down. That just means, you know, after, say, three years, you have 20% equity 
built up, then you can usually cancel it with a conventional loan. But you with FHA, refinance. yeah. So that would that would be what's next. If you have FHA and you mm-hmm. want to get rid of that, you would refinance. Um, but of course, you got to pay your closing costs all over again. Mm. Now, apart from FHA and conventional, is there other types of loans out there? Um, maybe people in the military or, I don't know, some government program? Yes. Yeah, so there are other options um, for those in the military or those retired from the military and in good standing. There's what's called a VA loan. Mm-hmm. And that's a really good option because it's 100% finance, so you don't make a down payment. Um, and I don't think that there's any mortgage insurance with those. So mm-hmm. it's a really good product. If you qualify for that, you just have to get a certificate saying that you are eligible mm-hmm. to give to your loan officer. Mm-hmm. What about, I think I saw another loan that has to do with like agriculture or something. Yeah. So there's a USDA loan. Uh-huh. Um, that's for properties that are a little further away from the Metro Atlanta area. But that's also 100% financing. So that's also a great product. But usually, um, like areas like this, it won't. It's not going to work. Yeah, yeah. you got to go a little further out for yeah. those. But what are, even with those, and I'm just out of curiosity asking, like, if you wanted to go that further away from the city, is there still some requirements? Because, you know, use USDA, I mean, do you have to have some kind of. Uh, 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 crops on the land or animals like do you know anything about that um it's really just for like outside of the city and the suburbs so it's really based on the area not necessarily Mm -hmm. requiring you to grow anything or anything like that or no like certain land amounts Mm -hmm. so no there's no types of requirements like that it's still just your financial requirements you know you're they're looking at your credit score those kind of things got you now, um, assistance programs. Um, are there assistant, assistance programs for people that... I know there are a few for first home owners, mm-hmm. but if you've been a homeowner before and you want to buy another property, can people get qualified for any assistance program? You can if you no longer own a house. So it doesn't have to be your first time buying. If you haven't owned a house in the last three years, then they consider you a first time home buyer again. Mm-hmm. And you're eligible to purchase using those down payment assistance. And there's quite a few programs out there. Mm-hmm. Each different, like every city and county has different products that mm-hmm. they offer, different programs. But they're generally pretty similar. Um, they can be $5,000. They might be $15,000 depending on the program. Mm-hmm. And it's usually forgivable after a certain amount of time. So if you live in the house, say five years, mm-hmm. it'll be forgiven. So when you close on the property at that time, you'll technically have two loans. And then that second loan goes away after. Is the loan factored into your mortgage? Um, No, because you're not making payments on that second um, mortgage. Okay. So it's forgiven. Like they prorate it like a certain amount. Say you get $5,000 and it's forgivable after five years. Mm -hmm. Every year they'll forgive $1,000. So, say you sell your home after three years, then you'll owe $2,000 back. But if you don't uh, and you stay in your property, then that lien goes away. Goes away. Okay. So, I mean, you could still, for the time that you're in the house, right, you could still sell it. You could still sell your house and pay uh, whatever it is that you owe to. Right. So, you'll just be paying on that first loan and that's your normal mortgage payment Uh in your escrow account. Okay. Okay. 
Now, let's talk about that escrow. What does that mean? So escrow is the easiest way you can keep up with all your payments. Um, most banks like for you to have an escrow account. So in that you're making one payment and your mortgage gets paid, your insurance gets paid and your taxes get paid. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's calculated, you know, when you're working with the loan officer, they're going to tell you what that total payment is going to be. They're going to say the mortgage to repay the loan and the interest is this much mm-hmm. and then your taxes are this much and then your insurance is this much and you'll pay this monthly got you and that's all taken care of by your lender correct okay makes it real easy for for homeowners right all right um the next question i have for you lauren is you know when is a good time to buy and the reason why i ask this question is obviously with our present uh housing situation you know mm-hmm. There's probably a lot of people out there that, of course, want to buy homes and whatnot. Uh, and there are others out there that are, that are saying, look, this market is crazy. I'm just going to wait till something happens or the economy stable stabilizes or whatever. But in your opinion, when is a good time to buy a house? So <laughs> there's a quote that says the best time to purchase a house was yesterday. Um, And that is generally true. So a lot of people, I've had clients say, you know, the market's crazy right now. Things are expensive. I'm just going to wait a year or I'm going to wait until the market crashes. Um, And for all of those that did buy a year ago, I'm like, oh, I'm so happy you bought because the prices just continue to climb, especially in a a city like Atlanta. um, You know, every market is different. So there are more established markets like San Francisco, New York, you know, they're going to get to a point where they can end up crashing, but the Atlanta market can still be growing because we're still in that developmental stage. Mm -hmm. You know, we have all these large corporations moving here, Mm -hmm. more employees are moving here, um, you know, developers are building here. Mm -hmm. So even if other markets do crash because they've hit that ceiling or, you know, the companies are leaving that city, I think Atlanta is going to continue to grow. Mm -hmm. So for everybody that's waiting um, for the market to crash to get a good deal, you know, you might be waiting. Hopefully you'll be waiting a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, And in that time, you know, whatever you're paying for rent, you got to really factor um, that costs. So I just did a quick calculation. Um, I know there's not a lot of places that are $1,200 a month anymore, but yeah, Yeah. but I, that's usually the number I use. So Mm -hmm. if you're paying $1,200 in rent a month, then over a year you spent a little over $14,000. So, you know, that could be your down payment and your closing costs right there. Mm -hmm. And you could be gaining equity, but mm-hmm. instead you're paying somebody else and mm-hmm. you're growing, they're growing their equity, you're paying off their loan. Mm-hmm. So you're paying somebody's loan either way, mm-hmm. um, but you don't really have anything to show for it when you're gotcha. renting. So with, you know, we, you, you just, we just talked about renting. When is a good time to rent versus a good, uh, versus owning your own home? Um, you know, I don't really... I have people tell me all the time, I don't want to buy now because I don't know if I'm going to stay here long. You know, I might move somewhere else. And I usually tell them, that's fine. You know, if you want to move in two years, you could purchase a property and then it could become a rental property, Mm -hmm. you know, or you can sell it and make money on it. Mm -hmm. So there's not a lot of different scenarios where I would suggest renting unless, you know, maybe your credit is just not quite there Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, maybe you feel like 
the maintenance and things like that on a house, you're just not going to keep up with it. Mm -hmm. But for me, you know, I don't think home maintenance and, you know, it's a responsibility, but it's not that expensive. That's right. Okay. Now, um, you know, my next question has to do with our current housing market. And uh, also, I think you, you did touch upon where you've dealt with people or if you've worked with people that have said to you that they'll wait for the market to stabilize and all these things. But if you look at the current housing market and how prices are going up and low interest rate, you know, you being in the industry, do you think this is, first of all, have you seen anything like this during your, uh, how do you say, your career, your time, your time in this industry? And secondly, do you think this is a sustainable um market if i if i call it um so in the last three years this year 2021 is really like the craziest i've seen i've seen the most amount of appreciation so for gwinnett county i think last year the average the median home price was like 275 right now we're at like 313 so it's jumped up quite a bit Mm -hmm. you know a stable market will appreciate about seven percent five to seven percent year over year we're seeing more like 10 to 13 percent um so that's pretty high um you know it is scary Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know just the the market as a whole right now because people sellers are getting multiple offers and people are having to go much higher than the asking price for the property and then sellers don't really have to do a lot of repairs or anything. You know, most houses are as is. Mm. So it's a challenging time to be a buyer right now. Mm-hmm. So that's why I said, like, for you and a bunch of my other clients that bought last year or the year before, you know, I'm happy they didn't wait mm-hmm. because it's not it's not getting any more affordable, right. unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, uh, another thing I know you're passionate about, or I've seen you post it uh, a few times on your on your social media, is like being a real estate investor. Because I know you have a, or you've bought a few properties where you either have tenants in them, or you've bought to fix up and put it back on the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, if somebody wanted to get in that now, how is how is that? You know, and I keep coming back to properties being expensive, right? Even if the property is like a rundown property, it's still it's still very expensive now. Right. So in your opinion, like, would you advise people to still go for it? And, you know, if, if you find a property and it's still high, buy it because the market is hot. You're going to make profit regardless or still wait. Um, so I'll talk about fix and flip and renting separately. So for a renter, if you plan to rent the property out, you know, you can buy a property on the market and still make a good margin because the interest rates are so low. So that's really, you know, compared to a year and a half ago before the pandemic, that makes a difference of, you know, $100, $300 a month, depending on, you know, the value of that house. Mm-hmm. You know, the interest rates being so low have really created a good margin. Mm-hmm. So but before you weren't able to buy a property and rent it out for more than your payment was. But now I see investors buying property at market value and still charging more. Um, And right now there's really no houses for rent. You know, Mm. they go even faster than houses that are for sale. Mm. I do list properties for rent. I have a for rent. I have a couple of clients that own rentals. And anytime I try to find them a tenant, you know, I'm getting 100, 200 people hitting me up yeah Yeah. 
wanting to apply and I have, you know, I have people offering to pay three months in advance. I accepted one that paid nine months in advance. So the demand is so high. Wow. Yeah, it's really, it's a good situation to be in for a landlord. Um, and then rent prices just continue to increase as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then when it comes to fix and flip, it's a little more difficult to find something at a discounted price because mm-hmm. right now, I mean, there's just so many investors mm-hmm. that things are being bid up. So it might not be in a good condition and it might be, you know, you might need to buy it at 120 to make a decent profit, but it might be going as high as like 160, 170. Yeah. So a lot of investors are being priced out. You gotta really have good hard money lenders or be able to pay cash to um, still create a good margin. Mm-hmm. But for people that are interested in fix and flip, you know, you really, you have to have a good process. And that might mean you find the property directly from the seller or you have a wholesaler that you work with mm-hmm. that um, isn't greedy. Because a lot of these wholesalers are out here making 20, 30, making as much as the person flipping the yeah. property. Wow. Okay. And, um, okay. So the last thing that I want to talk to you about actually has to do with, um, with like you, you mentioned with, uh, with the rental properties before this whole craziness happened, you mentioned, um, you couldn't even find uh, people to get into your property and pay as much as you were paying for the mortgage. Uh, did I get that right? So the rent price was about equal to what you would have paid mm-hmm. um, for a mortgage. So, but And that was because there was so many other properties out there and you had to price it low? Um, not necessarily. I mean, there's there's been an inventory shortage for a while for both renting and mm-hmm. purchasing. But it was just, you know, that's how the, that's how the rental market was. Mm-hmm. You know, it would be worth say 1400 a month, mm-hmm. um, but the payment, if somebody were to buy it that day, it, they'd be paying about 1400 Now, if you bought it five years earlier, you know, your payment is probably a lot lower. So the people that were renting properties probably had that property for some time, um, you know, got a good deal on it, whether it was after the market crashed mm-hmm. or a few years ago. But if you were to buy it that year, you would rent it out and probably break even. Mm-hmm. But now with interest rates being so low, it's creating more of a margin because that lower interest rate is making your monthly payment lower. So That's you right. can make money on your rental. Got you. Okay. Um, question to you, 15-year mortgage or 30-year mortgage? Um... So it depends if it's an investment or if you're going to live in the property mm-hmm. and, you know, you got to be able to afford the 15 years. So, of course, 15 years, you know, it's a shorter time frame. You're going to have a better interest rate, but your payments are going to be a lot right. higher. Yeah. Um, so most people will go a 30 year. And then if you can afford to pay more each month, do that because mm-hmm. anything you pay over is paying directly your principal, principal. paying that down. Okay. So I usually tell people, you know, do the 30 year. And then if you can afford to pay double each month, go ahead and do that. Yeah. But if you're ever in a situation where, you know, your money's running low, you're not stuck with that really high payment. Yeah. Got you. All right. Uh, so let's leave this uh, episode off with your thoughts on the future of real estate here in Atlanta. Um, where do you see it really going? Do you think that um, we're still gonna get a lot more people coming into Atlanta because like you said, corporations are coming in or it's just gonna hit 
a certain level and then you know we're gonna have people moving out to maybe i don't know like kentucky or, or <laughs> tennessee or something like that i think we're quite a quite a ways from getting to that point like i said if you compare these other established markets like san francisco you know they're at that point where people are leaving it's too expensive corporations mm-hmm. are leaving and come into places like atlanta but in my opinion, you know, in the next five years, I think Atlanta is going to continue to grow. Um, everything is being redeveloped. You know, prices are going up, even in these areas that most people might not have wanted to live before. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, cities that are a little further out, you know, they're seeing their values increase as well. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you got to move a little further out now. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, the Atlanta market is going to remain strong for quite a while, especially, like I said, with all these great developments. I mean, the Beltline, Pont City Market, Crog Street, Atlantic Station, all these areas that people enjoy um, being at are enticing for people looking to move south. So I I think there's a strong future here in Atlanta mm-hmm. um, in you know, I think it's a good time to either invest or to purchase a home. Okay. All right. Well, Lauren, so um, I just want to say thank you so much for having me and uh, sitting here and doing this with me. Um, I, I learned definitely a few things that I didn't know before, and I'm, I'm sure uh, and anybody who tuned in to listen to this episode um, definitely picked up something from our conversation here. So uh, before I end this episode, uh, could you please tell the listeners like if they wanted to reach out to you to work with you or follow you know what you have going on like how can they do so sure so the best way to keep up with me is going to be on instagram you'll find me at lauren summers real estate i also have a business page that you can like on facebook it's lauren summers real estate agent Mm -hmm. so you can always feel free to reach out to me that way or go to my website lauren summers real estate.com all my contact information will be there sounds good and uh you know just so just so my listeners know i've worked with lauren in the past you know she helped me with my first uh uh, property she helped my dad helped my brother and uh, a few other people that i know so she's been great and very easy to work with so if anybody needs even if you're not looking to buy and you just have some questions or whatever please feel free to reach out to her she responds very very uh fast and um, yeah, she'll be more than happy to to answer any questions that you might have. So once again, Lauren, I just want to say a big thank you for this. And I know we're going to be catching up very, very soon. Well, thank you so much for having me. And I hope I helped someone. All right, then. All right. See you all in the next episode. Bye.